It doesn't happen often, but occasionally someone is supposed to preach and they get ill. And it was clear to Alina and I last night at about 7 that she needed to not be here today and exposing all of us to whatever it is she has. Um, so you pray for her. Keep her in your prayers. And I trust that those who know how to and can will check in on her. She's a long ways from home from family and friends, and we want her to, uh, to know that we are family and friends for her here. But we decided that uh, she should not be here, and so Jason's gone. You know where I'm going, right? So here we are. Be happy about this. Wes, next time I'm calling you. So Luda is my harshest critic. Now I say that, but you need to know I appreciate it because she will always speak truth and love. And I always, always have her look over whatever it is I'm going to preach or teach or whatever I'm doing because she has a great critical thinking mind. And I appreciate that about her. And I guess communism told her this, I don't know, but she holds nothing back. <laughs> She can say whatever she needs to say to you. Now, I know you know her as the sweet and kind person. Trust me, there's another side. <laughs> so I had her look at this sermon last night about mm, 9.30, I guess. And uh, because it's fresh, it's not a rehashed something, it's fresh. And she said, is that, is that story true? And it's the story I'm going to start with and tell you with here at the beginning. And I absolutely swear to you, it is all absolutely true, this story. Many years ago, you see, I was part of a missions experience um, with a team of us. And I don't remember who put the team together or how we got invited or if we got assigned to this church. I don't remember any of the details about it. But I and a group of people went to this small, medium-sized town um, in a community of that town that was in transition. The community had been in transition for some time. And we were assigned to this church, and we were supposed to uh, really actually just go find something to do. And so we sort of had VBS ready, because you can do VBS anywhere, anytime, right? And so we arrived on Saturday. We worshiped with them on, on Sunday morning. It, it became clear that they had not done much to get ready. And so we hit the neighborhood on Sunday afternoon. And um, we were very fortunate. Because in the neighborhood, there was this, it was summertime, there was a playground. And that playground was loaded with children. There, there was, you know, half-torn-up basketball goals and sort of semi-marked, used to be courts of some kind. And anyway, tons of kids playing at, at this community uh, playground. Now, this is back in a day when strangers could approach children, and they didn't run, and it was not terribly fearful. And so we all approached these kids who were having a good time, and we said, hey, uh, uh, beginning tomorrow morning, if you'll come up here to this church, 
the playground was within sight of the church. If you'll come up here to this church tomorrow morning at whatever time, uh, we'll tell you some stories from the Bible, stories about Jesus. Uh, we'll play some games. We'll have some fun. We may even come back to your playground here and play on it, and we'll feed you some food. And that was just sort of a spontaneous idea, so then we had to hustle around and get some food ready. This community had, had been, the homes had, had been built and this church had been founded in the community to be a community church. And as the people who lived in those homes aged, so did the homes. You know, the original builder lives there 45 years, doesn't see much need to do much to the house. It looks like it did when they built it, right? You know what I'm talking about. So when I say it was a transition community, it was socioeconomically transitioned. Not, not racially, not any other way, socioeconomically. Because now, some 45 years later, after these houses had been built and had not been well maintained by and large, they were selling at a greatly reduced cost in houses to houses and communities around them and so people who were moving in were people who could afford these very basic starter uh, fix fixer-upper kinds of houses and so the community had changed so that Monday we started VBS and we had an absolute ball with these kids. They were so fun. Now, they were clueless about church. Uh, I refer to these people as not being church broke. If you're church broke, you know how to behave in church. They weren't church broke. They didn't know anything about Jesus. They had never heard about God's love. So they soaked up everything we had to teach and everything we had provided for food. <laughs> so about midweek, we began talking to the church about these kids and how we had found this pool of children who didn't go to church anywhere and all lived within walking distance of this church. And we were excited because here was an absolutely fertile ground for this church to have impact in its community. And they didn't even have to get in their car to go do it. They could just walk around outside. And the church, they couldn't have cared less. They had no interest, no interest in what we were saying. And I still get emotional when I think about it. Because do you know why churches cease to exist? Because they cease being the presence of Christ in their communities and beyond. Luke's passage today comes in the middle of lots of uh, red-letter stories. You know what I mean by that? Anybody have a red-letter Bible? 
There's lots of them. These are stories, parables, if you will, that Jesus has told. And Luke has, has just, he just strings them together one after another in, in the middle here of these uh, chapters of his book. The context that Luke places them in is not in the synagogue, but it's in the homes. Jesus is telling these stories uh, and not necessarily chronologically, but Luke has captured them and, he, and he's giving the context mostly in the homes of religious leaders, but, but always at the fringes of these stories. Listeners, not really invited to the party, but listeners outside on the edges are, are people who are outside that religious community. Now, we might read these stories as instructional stories. Jesus is trying to teach us something or instruct us about something. Or we may read them as prescriptive stories. Jesus is prescribing something that's kind of a cause and effect, if you will. But these stories actually are descriptive stories. Jesus is describing the kind of communities he's come to establish. His followers, his disciples, are described as those who form a kind of community that will go look for one lost sheep. Cotton-picking sheep, why did it wander off anyway? But they go, and they find that one sheep. Or the woman who will look for one lost coin. Did she not have others? <laughs> but one lost coin. And in just a few verses following these parables, Luke recounts the parable of the lost but gets welcomed back son. Another parable we all know. Jesus' audience for these stories are religious leaders and teachers who think they think they're just fine. No need of anything else spiritually. But oh, my friends, as we know, they were so very wrong. He also has an audience of those who are hanging on the edges, the tax collectors. And I love this group. They are just the out-and-out sinners. How do you get to be an out-and-out sinner? But they're in that group. They know that they're not fine. And they know that they have great spiritual need. And then there are also the disciples and the followers of Jesus who are beginning to realize that the truth for them is that God has searched for them and found them when they found Jesus. Who are we? Who are you and I? Maybe, maybe, someone who doesn't think they have any spiritual need. I doubt it. I doubt, I doubt any of us are at that place. Maybe someone who wonders if they're beyond being found by God's love. Maybe. Or someone who feels lost because something, and not of your own doing, by the way, 
makes you feel separated from God. Or (laughs) maybe something you do (laughs) and it makes you feel separated from God. Maybe. Maybe. Or maybe not so lost that you've lost sight of God, but you just aren't as sure about things as you once were. So maybe you're lost in a way that is creating a space for you to explore or rethink or find some silence and solitude in a really noisy life. Not lost forever, not lost, you know, for good, but lost for a while. Or maybe, maybe we are the footnote people. When the shepherd finds the sheep, he puts it around his shoulders and he brings it home. And then what does scripture say he does? He gathers his friends and his neighbors and they come celebrate this sheep that he's found. Or the woman finds that one lost coin. And what does scripture say happens? She calls her friends and neighbors and they come celebrate the fact that she has found her lost coin. You see, the shepherd and the woman realized the value of each, the sheep and the coin. Well, after all, this was livelihood for them. It was fortune, but not just in riches. It was life itself. It was sustaining life. It was resource. It may have been the ability to help someone with greater need. It was something of value that was lost. It was not where it should be. It had to be found. I think that the truth that all of these people, I think this is the truth. All of these people could be found right here and right around us in our community. We all make up this community and we're striving to be the community that Jesus described. A community that loses and that finds and that rejoices. A community that understands that this divine embrace is for one and all. The summer we've been reminded or maybe newly learned, that God is always already at work around us. We have a standing invitation to join in that work. We are invited to aid in the search. We're invited to celebrate when whatever is lost is found. We were reminded that God meets us whether we recognize it or not. God is with us always. We talk about being Jesus' disciple because he taught us that if we learn about him and know who he is, then we will know who God is. 
Whatever you're living in or whatever you're currently living through, God cares more about it than even you do. And I suspect you care a great deal. The goal of our being Jesus' disciple is to have union with this divine creator, our God, with this God who is in three persons. And how do we who are so loved learn to love? Well, this summer we called it embodied participation. Maybe that church that I mentioned, maybe they didn't care about children in their neighborhood because they couldn't care. They could not care. Maybe. Maybe they had forgotten how loved they were. Maybe they looked around at all the people who had left the community. They remembered the people who sat in certain pews who are now gone because they've moved or passed on. And they were too sad to embrace those who had moved in. Maybe, maybe they were lost. Maybe. A car sat on our car lot, on our parking lot, the only parking space we own, for heaven's sakes, uh, for about three weeks. Now, this is not altogether unusual. We will get a call from a neighbor. They will say, hey, my son or daughter, Aunt Tilda's going to be in town, and we don't really have a parking space at our house. Would it be all right if we parked the car on the church parking lot? And what do we say? Of course. Of course you can. Well, the car had been over there for about three weeks. And uh, we began getting calls about it from neighbors. We checked around <clears throat> internally. Nobody had given permission for a car to be there. So we finally decided, okay, we don't know whose car this is or why it's there. Let's check it out. Ken went over. He came back and he said, well, Connie, uh, they're doing their best to give that car away because they've actually, they've left the keys for it on the dash. Okay, clue, clue here. Just, I'm going to coach you a little bit. If you want a, an abandoned car to be driven off, make sure you can drive it and start it. Because leaving the keys is not going to help if it won't start. So we had a plan of action. We, were, we posted a sign, and it said, this car is going to be towed. However, if we can help you get the car running or know what the, the situation is that you feel the need to abandon it, please come over to the church and talk to one of us and let us help if we can. So sort of as mysteriously as the car appeared, it disappeared. It was gone. I drove over there uh, Thursday afternoon. And uh, there were two ladies who were unloading a car. And they had these little silver tins. Um, and so I stopped and identified myself as being here with the church. And one of the ladies uh, said, well, I'm, I'm the tenant that lives on the first floor, it's over here, of this, of this uh, house. 
And the woman that lived above me in the house has recently died. And she was kind of the caregiver in the neighborhood of all the feral cats. And so I, what I'm doing here is this person, who I don't really know, but she's with an organization, and these are cans of cat food. Now, we're either going to have one really fat feral cat, or there's a bunch of feral cats, because <laughs> there was a bunch of cat food. So this lady is working to get the cat food unloaded, and I'm chatting with the woman who is the resident. We chatted for quite a while. Eventually, I drove off, and I thought about the opportunities for embodied participation in our community around this church. To go into our community, to look for what's being lost, to find what is of great value, and to rejoice and celebrate as a footnote of God's love. Mm -hmm. 